911 emergency, what are you reporting? Um, help. This is 911, do you have an emergency? Uh, I just ran away from home because I was in a family of 15, okay? Can you hear me? And we have abusing parents. Did you hear that? Okay, how did they abuse you? Okay, they hit us, they throw us across, they like throw us across the room. They pull our hair, they, they yank out our hair. I have two, my two little sisters right now are chained up. Okay, how Did old you are you? I'm 17. What's your name? Golden Turpin. Hello? Oh yes, I'm still here. I was actually on the road because I didn't even know about the sidewalk. You're supposed to be on the sidewalk, but I never been out there. What's your address? Okay, you got to give me a minute. It's going to take a while. I've never been out. I don't go out much, so I don't know anything about the streets or anything. Does anybody at the house take any kind of medication? Oh, uh, I don't know what medication is. <laughs> Presented by the good people at the Bod Belly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on the wide everybody welcome to episode 239 of the orange do america podcast i'm your host in the place to be mr jacob p and sitting right across from me is the brown recluse mr art trail art say hello to the millions and millions what the fart is going on america hope you guys are all doing well hope you guys are enjoying the holidays it currently is uh december 5th 2001 the year of our lord 2001 or sorry 2000 we're still morning one <laughs> we're still morning the, fucking 11 we're still morning the uh, loss of bang <laughs> <laughs> um yeah 9-11 just happened it's been wild um guys go to kmancoffee.com check out their entire inventory you know what? I probably need some K-Man coffee because I'm lacking the, the years. I lost about 20 years right now in my life. But guys, go to kmancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory. They got the coffee beans. They got the hibiscus tea. They have the cacao butter. They have it all. Sweatpants, hats. Christmas is coming up. Get it in now. Use promo code AMERICA at checkout to receive 15% off. Uh, once you receive whatever product you just bought, let's just say you just bought straight up cacao butter. Oh, you know what? 
it's it's a it's hot chocolate season guys Ooh, yeah add some of that cacao butter in there um but take a picture of yourself drinking the hot chocolate drinking the the uh the uh, nitro cold brews drinking the hibiscus tea tag us tag them um and that really goes a long way honestly that's like 90 percent of the battle right there mm-hmm. whenever anybody tags us in anything i'm always surprised like everyone's doing their like year-end reviews of like their podcast or, or like podcasts that they listen to and i'm yeah. always like you guys listen to this yeah there's like people i didn't know listen to this like put us out on there i'm like holy shit and like it's like their number two or yeah, number one I, podcast i'm like some girl was like it's like those i listen to those other podcasts that are on that list yeah and we're in the family of them and yeah, shit. And I'm like, yeah. you you listen you think we're up there with them like we're my god some like, cases above them like yeah, jesus like, dude, herbert put, christ you like dude Diane Sawyer's podcast is like below us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to you. It's like it's it's like we're between Diane Sawyer's podcast and then like right below he kept he clipped the cat's podcast, which that's pretty cool that he clipped the cat has his own podcast. Um, <laughs> I was surprised, but anyways, guys, just doing things like that goes a long way. That's a yes. big part of like why there's a promo code. But uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Go to kmancoffee.com. And speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you check out our other sponsor, guys, sukarapparel.com or SKR Apparel, whatever you prefer. But go to sukarapparel.com. Check out all the great merchandise that the great and powerful Nicole Smith Bosch has designed and put up there for your purchasing pleasure. Uh, if you want to see the, uh, those designs in real life, IRL, hashtag IRL, uh, go to our buddy Jesus Fuentes's instagram at jfwent33 uh where he pretty much owns the entire collection that nicole smith bosch he might have a little bit of a crush on her i don't know maybe just put it out hey, there hey valentine season's coming up sparks are flying love is in the air i, I let's make that happen patreons <laughs> let's get jesus a ticket to south africa yeah i don't think he can right now because there's a Omicron. variant yeah i don't maybe don't yeah. Maybe let's actually not do that. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> that that sounds like the movie Outbreak, but with, <laughs> but with Jesus as the monkey. <laughs> Gigantic Mexican monkey. <laughs> uh Jesus, why are you dressed like a monkey? <laughs> for the Patreons. I'm doing it for America. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude. A real patriot. If you want to be a real patriot, if you want to be a real American like Hulk Hogan, <laughs> like like fucking Jesus Fuentes from the Words Are Hard podcast. Dude, they got shirts out. Go to Jesus's Instagram and he's got a link, I'm sure, probably. Yeah, he's that's a pretty good fucking t shirt. I, yeah, I fucking I'm kinda cool jealous. Shirt. Uh but yeah, go there, go to sucrapparel.com, find something you like, put it in your car, and enter promo code Art and Jacob and Nicole Smith Bosch will give you ten percent <laughs> off your entire purchase but art we are not here to talk about sexy humongous mexican monkeys art what are we here to talk about today we're here to talk about a topic that you brought i was gonna i was gonna try to mix the monkey thing with something i was like there's no way that's gonna be appropriate yeah, yeah. um but uh that's why we're a number two podcast we're not a number yeah, one podcast. We're, we're still we're still above diane sawyer so yeah. one he cliff we're coming after you <laughs> he cliff he cliff knows for sure Terrorize the He's, neighborhood. Heathcliff, you're, you're Heathcliff. <laughs> I know you're listening right now, Heathcliff. <laughs> Heathcliff, you're the poor man's Garfield, all right. Let me put a pause on this real quick. Remember that video I sent you? I don't know, was it this morning or last night? Like every day is exactly the same to me, like a Nine Inch Nails song. Uh-huh. But fucking well, Alex Jones turned on fucking Donald oh, Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was fucking hilarious. Friend of the show, shout out Alex Jones. Most people talk shit about him. Rightfully so, I guess. But I do think that he is a man of his word. Yeah. In the sense that, like, 
he didn't go after Bohemian Grove because it was a liberal or conservative thing. He went after it because he's against the world elite. And I don't know how he's just now realizing that Donald Trump is part of the world elite, but I'm glad it took him, oh, I don't know, 25 years too late. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, all you have to do is watch Full House, uh, not Full House, Home Alone 1. Uh, he is the rich guy. He is the rich elitist guy in Home Alone 1. <laughs> Anyways, guys, uh, we're not here to talk about Home Alone 1. Um, the, uh, is it the Turpin family? Yes, yeah, the, uh, uh, the Turpin family. House of Horrors, I guess. A case that I had never heard of before. Jacob pitched this idea to me, and I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And then you said that there was a, a 2020 episode out about this. and With I d- Diane Sawyer with her number four podcast. Yeah, get out of here, Diane Sawyer. Yeah. Um, but apparently it's it's a uh, – once I watched it, I watched it on Hulu because it's mm, on Hulu. Yeah. And then once I watched it on Hulu, somehow, you know how, like, the internet listens to everything? Yeah. I started getting all these, like, watch the, like, video, like, all these things start popping up on my YouTube. And I was like, oh, oh wow. I don't know what's going on here. But it is a good watch. So I would recommend listen to this podcast. Then go watch it. Go watch it with your loved ones. Drink some hot chocolate. Put put up some Christmas lights. Hug your family. And then watch um, what a real American family should be like. <laughs> No. <laughs> no, it's terrible, guys. Uh, but anyway, Jacob, how did you, what what fascinated you about this case? Well, when we first started doing this podcast and we had like maybe like four or five listeners, uh, one of the original listeners, I believe Monica, actually, friend of the show, longtime yeah. friend of the show, Monica, she was like, you guys should cover the Turpin family. And we, we kind of have like an unspoken policy. Like, I know a lot of people have been asking me like, you guys should cover the Gabby Petito case. And no it's like, broads. <laughs> <laughs> That's our unspoken rule. <laughs> new, made, new metal made us misogynistic. <laughs> no, but uh, we kind of have like this unspoken, I guess, policy, I guess you could say, where it's just like we don't like to cover things like when they're fresh off the presses. Like we like to let yeah. them like simmer and marinate. And this is a good instance why. Like, yes, there's the whole story that happens, but there's a backstory to this story as well. Like we like to think of like, Oh, the kids got out. Spoiler alert. The kids get out. Um, and then like they live happily ever after. And in this case they don't. And I think that's like the, the part that like I want to get out there where it's just the system. Not only did their parents fail them, but the system that was supposed to take care of them and watch after them failed them as well. Yeah. Multiple systems failed them. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I had never heard of this case up until like this week Mm -hmm. and and it, it's a good one. It's it's pretty wild. I was like, uh, they don't talk that much about the the brothers mm-hmm. in this um, in the in the twenty twenty twenty, but um, I actually thought the brothers had like some like maybe they also don't want to talk about it themselves, but mm-hmm. they uh, they had some pretty sad stuff going on with the brothers. And I gotta say this too. I mean, the two girls that you'll see on that twenty twenty uh, episode. I mean, brave. You know, for retelling their story, not only once to Diane Sawyer, but, you know, they're on Good Morning America, you know, a week after that, because I guess it's blowing up on the Internet or whatever, Uh, but retelling it on Good Morning America and then like all these other news outlets, they want to like. So they're like rehashing this pain over and over again. And that's got to take some bravery because like they went a whole lifetime of like pretty much being abused. And we'll get into like the ins and outs of what happened or whatever. If you guys are just hearing about this for the first time as well. But I can see why, like when we when you, you go through the whole story or whatever, why somebody that 
wouldn't want to go on national television and keep rehashing their pain. I remember like I had a rough 2011 and the one thing that I always hated is just like when I would be having like a good day and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, like somebody would be like, "Hey, how's your mom? Hey, how how's this? How are you dealing with this death? How are you dealing with that?" And it's just like, "Oh, you keep reopening this fucking wound." Like, yeah. like I just want to watch wrestling and eat fucking champarado. Like, just, like stop yeah. opening this room. So it's like, shout out to fucking uh, Jordan and uh, Jennifer Turpin for having the bravery, I guess you could say, to giving us this story. It's good that they're like emotionally stable enough to like. I'm sure they're still seeing. Uh, a therapist for <laughs> I hope for so. good reason, but um, is Jennifer the blonde haired girl? Uh, no, she's the older one. Oh, she's the older one. Okay, Jordan. She's the she's the one that escaped. She's the blonde. Okay, yeah. she's the I, I honestly because my girlfriend she put on the documentary like unbeknownst to me like, she, um, and I thought like literally like because Jacob, you're gonna want to watch this shit real quick. <laughs> But, like, her life, like, 180, like, because I, I literally thought, like, she was, like, that pop singer, Dua Lipa, like, I thought, or, a, or a reporter that looked like her. Like, she totally, like, changed her life around kind of thing. Dua Lipa. I don't know who that is. But uh, you probably heard her song, but she's a dying piece. But anyways, very beautiful girl now. Um, But, yeah, I remember not knowing anything about the story. One of the things that they mentioned, and if you guys watch a documentary, is the way that they they speak, and they speak very like childlike, I guess, mm-hmm. um, just from like I guess lack of conversation skills, lack of like interaction with other kids their age, lack of education. Yeah, and um, so as much as we'll try to do it justice, I do think that watching their interview is like yeah, in their own words, yeah. it's like nothing more powerful than that, but. To kind of give you a, a sense of what we're talking about, everything kind of kicks off. Like, we're, we're going to Quentin Tarantino this shit, as Art likes to Let's say, or whatever. Uh, but start with the, put the, the sexy shit up front first. So, uh, January 14th, 2018, at 5.49 a.m., per CCTV cameras from neighbors, uh, they uh, captured Jordan Turpin, 17-year-old Jordan Turpin, uh, jumping out of their parents' window and uh, running down the street, uh, dialing 911. Uh, now, when you can Google this, and I'll probably try to put a sample of this at the beginning of the episode. So, uh, but y- you get a sense that oh, this is like a six-year-old that's on the phone dialing 911. And at first, you're like, oh, okay, like something must have happened. Like mommy didn't give me any ice cream, kind of thing. You can kind of get that vibe from the 911 operator too. Like, hey, I just ran away from home. Uh, my parents are abusive. Okay. How are your parents abusive? Did they take away your Barbie or what? It's whatnot? hard to believe. I was thinking that same thing as it was as the uh, nine one one operator was doing her job. She's asking all the right questions, and at the same time, it's like I'm sure they get that so often where it's yes. like, dude, how do you take this seriously? Mm-hmm. And then she's like, okay, let me. And you could tell like she's she has like this rate these racing thoughts. Like I have that too, a lot of that too. Um, isolation will do that too but um you could tell like her mind is moving faster than her mouth can move kind of thing and she's like all right she's trying to compose herself like okay how does your mom and dad abuse you okay well they throw across the room they uh rip out our hair oh yeah and like two of my siblings they're tied up right now not because my mom wanted to be mean because my mom said they were stealing food and i was just like oh shit like it's like Mm. the story like as she's like calming down trying to get her story together it gets more and more intense yeah, it, it definitely does. At that point, it's still very hard to believe that like mm. anything like that's actually even happening. And I don't blame the the operator like they're doing their job. 
Um, but it is, man, that's, that's, th- by the way, the 20, 20, 2020, 20 for 20, 2020, 2020, um, documentary has all of this footage and like audio recordings, which like just really let you be a fly on the wall type of thing for the situation. But I mean, somehow they, st- and the fact that she's asking her for like, Hey, where are you right now? Like, mm-hmm. what are the cross streets? Are you on any kind of medication? She's like, what's medication? Like, I don't know yeah. what that is. Like, she had never heard of that term before. She's like, ah, I take, like, I, I've i taken things before, like, but, like, she has no idea what, like, she's talking about or anything like that. Yeah. Eventually getting a police officer out there, and the police officer kind of becomes part of the story himself. Do you have his name? I don't have his name. I forgot to write it down. I think but... his name was Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Um, but he knew when to hold him. Yeah. So he goes out there and he does his own like little investigation. And uh, I think this is the part where like, you know, it goes, everything goes up a notch. Like clearly he, he can see that something's wrong with her. Mm -hmm. She's not acting right. Probably. I, I think most people would jump to the conclusion that she's on drugs. Correct. Me too. She looks like she is on drugs. Like she's saying that she's 17, but she looks like maybe like a 14 year old. She's skinny, bad health. Like it look, I mean, it looks like one of our bums that we have here in Bakersfield. It's like all cracked out and whatnot. And not to say like she looked like shit, but I mean, she looked in a bad spot, you know? And that, that would have been my first as a, as a police officer, I would have been like, Oh, okay. This is a, she's a drug addicted teen who ran away from home kind of thing. And like, he even says it too, like in the documentary, he's like, you know what? I thought this was just going to be like an easy, like, you know, I'm going to go, you know, pick up this girl, probably had a fight with her parents and she ran away and I'm just going to take her back and help reconcile the situation and I'm going to go home. But he, he follows that line of, of uh, questioning and he's just like, OK, yeah. So, you know, what's going on? You know, she tells him the story about like, yeah, my parents do this. They they choked me out. You know, they did this. They rip out our hair. They don't feed us. We live in filth. Uh, and he's like, well, do you have any proof of that? And I think that's like that's always like the key. It's like, hey, well, do you have any proof of that? And she goes, yes, I do. And she goes to her phone, and she shows starts showing him like all these pictures of like her siblings or younger siblings being like tied up, like literally like shackled, you know, to their bed and put into cages and whatnot. And this is like where, like you said, it gets turned up a whole fucking notch. Yeah, and there's something like I don't want to say like charming about about that that interaction. But, like, the fact that she's super excited, like, like I'm going to show them the proof and, like, all this stuff. And, like, there's there's something, like, adorable as, as you watch it. Cause I agree. She's, she's 17 years old, but she's she's probably more in, like, the headspace of, like, a 10-year-old, like, mm-hmm. to be honest. And, like, like, there is something about, like, when kids think that they're, like, being the hero. And she was truly being the hero in, in this situation. But the police officer does believe her. Um, and I think this is what, like five in the morning mm-hmm. that this is happening. Um, so shout out to the police officer for being, for acting up, like acting super quickly and, and managing to like get people to respond to this as quickly as they do. But once he sees the proof of like, Hey, these people are, are not only in shackles, but they're all bruised up. And he's like asking her like, why are, why are there so many bruises on them? And mm-hmm. she's like, what do you mean? What are bruises? Yeah. And the fact that like those, that's not even like a concept that she's aware of mm-hmm. that her brothers and sisters are tied up with chains and like covered in bruises and filth. And this is just like a normal thing. I think one of the questions that the, I don't know if it's the police officer or the uh, 911 operator asked her is like, when's the last time you took a bath? And she's like, it's been about a year. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, 
I know like that doesn't sound like it's the worst, but like human skin, like, like you need to shower. Like even like, even animals take showers like on their own just to like keep themselves clean. Yeah. And like, I can only imagine like, you know, I'm sure that that place is covered in like bed bugs and like Mm -hmm. mites or whatever. Like I'm sure they have some kind of like skin disease and what have you. But like, um, the police officer believes they're at this point, like you should, because they have proof of their siblings being tied up. Um, organizes this put together fairly quickly. The team, yeah. Yeah, the team comes together fairly quickly of like going to the parents' house. Now, I think this is an important thing that we should probably give a little little bit of backstory on the parents before we actually talk about what they find when they go in the house. Yeah, and so uh, the parents, uh, David and Louise uh, Turpin, um, their story, I guess, starts in West Virginia uh, back like in the mid-'80s. Um, a lot of podcasts I was listening to, again, I always say this. You talk to five different people, you're going to get five different stories, but the overall narrative is the same. Uh, David and Luis get married when he's 23 and she's 16 years old. Now, the relationship didn't just magically start <laughs> at that time frame, uh, but it started when she was 11, and obviously she, he's seven years older than her, and, I mean, still an adult. Yeah. So you, you, you're talking about a, a dude that took advantage of mom here, and we'll get into, like, mom's backstory as well. Uh, but basically, you know, they both come from, you know, strict religious backgrounds. It's West Virginia. Name one good thing that's ever came out of West Virginia. I'll wait. I'm trying to think of there's isn't there there's like a song that says in West Virginia. That's all I know. There's like a song that says West Virginia in it. I don't know. Hey, Seuss, let us know what that song is. <laughs> but uh, no, it, the only thing that I can think of there's a documentary that's called The White Underbelly of America, and it's talking about like incest, uh, children of incest. Oh, kind of I thing. thought this was the good thing that came out of West Virginia. No, there's a good documentary oh, about okay. the bad shit that's in West Virginia, but like these children of incest kind of thing that live like in the the sticks of West Virginia or whatever. It's, it's more disturbing than this fucking story we're about to tell. Uh, but West Virginia, like, shout out. If, you, if you're if you from West Virginia, I apologize and you're an upstanding person. But there's a lot of, like, it makes Bakersfield look like fucking a, a utopia, basically, right? And um, so the parents sign off on this relationship, Luis's parents, uh, and he gets a job uh, with Northrop Grauman and as well as uh, Lockheed Martin. So really well-paying job. He's a computer engineer, uh, and he moves her out to Fort Worth, Texas. Now, they're followers of the Quiverville movement of uh, the Pentecostal religion. So not to go into a deep dive about that, but basically it's kind of... Um, uh, These are the people that don't wear... <laughs> Short sleeve shirts. No, yeah, it's it's very archaic. The so, way they interpret like their religion. I used to work at this place that had um, a a bunch of them, uh, a bunch of those like that the, those people, and like they were fairly normal, but they had their like quirks about them, mm-hmm. and um, like they didn't wear short sleeve shirts. Like they weren't allowed to show their elbows. These are the girls that only wear skirts. If I'm correct, like you're not allowed to wear pants. No makeup. You can never cut your hair. Uh, they believed in uh, no contraception. And the most, the more kids that you produced, uh, the better your chances of getting into heaven were. So it wasn't just about like, oh, I want to plan to have a big family because I like to have kids. It was just like, because I want to get into heaven, I got to have as many kids as possible kind of thing. Damn, that's such a like 
that seems super archaic. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, that, isn't that how, like, back in the day, like, you had to have a big family because somebody needed to work the plow? Mm-hmm. Like, somebody needed to, like, plant the seeds and work the plow and, like, have Turn your the own. butter. Like, I, I can't hire people. I just need to have a big family. Yeah. Like, that that was, like, the, the thought process. And also, like, I know a lot of times, like, um, like Mormons will like there's a little of, of like the same thing in like Mormon families where like they they like they used to not so much anymore but they still get the stigma of it but like of promoting having like big families mm-hmm. um, because that's like one way to like spread the religion by like the more people there are then they're gonna follow this religion and like I guess that's a little bit of the same top, thought process they probably won't admit to that but mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a little bit of that yeah I mean no, yeah, but, like, that's one of the cornerstones of, like, that movement within, like, that church. And, like, I just want to put it out there as well. Like, I grew up, like, in a super religious family, and there's always perversions of, like, what's actually in the Bible because people are yeah. going to read the Bible how they want it to fit their narrative. <laughs> Obviously, you're dealing with a dude that's an obvious pedophile. Yeah, this dude, is, this guy is the daughter swap guy. Yeah. like <laughs> Listen to the Patreon for that that's a That's a Patreon reference, but... This guy is clearly the the dude that Google's daughter swap stuff. So daughter swap porn on fucking yeah. Pornhub and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he gets a, a job um, at these f- highfalutin places like Lockheed Martin and Northrop Grumman. Uh, moves her from West Virginia to Fort Worth, Dallas, Texas area, and um, this is where they start having kids um, around uh, uh, 1990, uh, and. Um, they, when they start to send their oldest child, uh, Jennifer Turpin, to school, uh, she's made fun of because she stinks. Uh, her hair is, I guess, being put up not with, like, an actual hair tie or a rubber band, but, like, with a candy wrapper. Uh, it always has, like, tattered clothes, and it's just, like, always just in poor health. It's skinny. Uh, and the documentary on 2020 does an excellent job of showing this, too, like, where they got a hold of, like, one of her former classmates and like, man, that that kid that you were like making fun of uh, in school, like she had to go home to like like n- knowing you know what happened, you know, at the end of like this whole story. Uh, he went home to fucking squalor and starvation, while you went to home to like a nice bedtime story, you know, in a loving family and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, she was like made fun of like in school because she was super skinny, super dirty, just like just in poor health. But her dad's over here with this high paying job. And what was going on behind the scenes is, is like mom and dad, like they would, you know, take elaborate trips to Disneyland, uh, to Las Vegas, uh, New York. One podcast went super deep into like their story. Like, yeah, even though they followed this like super conservative like religion, like they were into like literal like wife swapping and swinging and shit. And oh, wow. one story was is he drove her all the way to Oklahoma because uh, he had the sex fantasy of being a cuck watching another dude fuck his wife while he masturbated or whatever, right? That's another style of pornography that's like, who is into this stuff? That fucking, uh, fucking David Turpin. Yeah, that's David who. Turpin's, that's like, there's like three dudes, like David Turpin and like Joe Rogan. There's like two <laughs> dudes that are like, they're into like, I can't stuff. get an erection unless <laughs> another man's begging my wife. But yeah, so we're talking about a weirdly fucked up family. Now, 
the 20 for 20 documentary 2020 documentary does a really good job of pointing out that like hey normally like when kids are in school and they notice like neglect like that the school is like the first like defense of like being reporters to like a government agency or whatever and they said that like in fort worth texas texas they were not doing that and i kind of filed this up a little bit it was because later on the parents they take jennifer out of school Mm -hmm. and none of the children after this will attend a public institution from here on out uh, but I guess one teacher like started to speak out and like asked like the parents like, hey, like, why isn't your daughter bathing? Like, why does she always smell like mildew? Like, why is there like, you know, caca stains like all over and shit? Why does she smell like urine? And I guess they got really offended by that, took her out of school. Mom and dad set up this fake homeschooling school where dad is the principal and mom is the teacher and none of the kids attend school at all. And like they they don't even like educate them at all like how to speak any abcs or anything like that so this is like the first inkling of the neglect and abuse start so that's already when they're in california when they come up with this fake california school and uh the the california school district never really looks into like hey why is like I, I don't understand how homeschooling works to be honest with you i guess that's like another movement too like i went down that rabbit hole and it it they did it in like it officially on paper started in California, but like when they're still in Texas, this is when they start doing this like non educating but educating them uh-huh. week their children. I bet I guess there's like this whole like movement like with that perverted conservative Christian uh, movement where it's just like don't let the public liberal agenda affect your kids. Only let the fucking Christian uh, pub or private schools. Oh, like educate your kids. Or, at home. Yeah, homeschool movement, like to educate your kids. And they were talking about how like dinosaurs. Um, let me ask you this, because uh, you're a father. Um, ha- has the idea of like homeschooling or private schooling ever crossed your mind? No. Really? That's one of those things that like. I think about with like not because of like I'm afraid that Miss Waddell is gonna turn my kids into a lesbian or anything like that, but like I I think with the rise of like school shootings and like school violence and all this stuff, like it is pretty scary. Like I think about like my niece and my nephew and and like I do worry about them. Like where it's like that is like it was it was bad when I was a kid, but it wasn't that bad. Like it was a lot of like. Oh, only the, like only the fucking cholos were like stabbing each other. Like, don't <laughs> yeah. like the fucking pothead skaters over here. Like, they're cool. Like, we're just listening to corn and like hanging. Out. I, I mean, I guess yeah, I get what you're 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 going down that. But I think, I mean, even though in America that happens way more than in Nisu and at a higher accelerator rate than anywhere else in the world, I do think that those are still like isolated incidents. And for like the millions and millions and millions of schools that are out there, like that doesn't happen. Um, and I think there's more harm when you isolate a kid, you take them out of socialization, socialization. Yeah, it, no, I, I get that. So that, it was just something that's crossed my mind where it's like, there's has, there has to be like a happy balance. Cause I would, I think that there is something cool as much as I didn't really, I didn't really care much for high school, but there is a, there is an experience that you learn in high school and there's like learning how to interact with other people and like mm-hmm. all that bullshit. <laughs> but, um. So I think that is important. Like there is like, you know, like, like going to prom. I didn't go to prom, but like that stuff is important, I guess. And then also too, I feel like you need to have another perspective, right? And it's kind of like what I was talking about where it's just like this homeschool movement uh, that the Turpins were like all about 
where it's like, oh, we're only going to have like we're like evolution is laughed upon. Uh, dinosaur bones were put into the ground to test our faith. Uh, like all this bullshit. The earth is only 2000 years old. Q will reveal himself to uh, to the public. <laughs> yeah. All that shit. Like you, you just get mom and dad's point of view yeah, on the yeah. world where it's just like in public school, even private school, you're going to get like a different perspective on how the world works and probably a more accurate view on how the world works as yeah, well. I think that that's super important. I agree with you 100% there. Like, I don't want, like, my niece and nephew to, like, miss that out because I think that that is really important. Like, I think it's important to know that you're going to have opposing views to other people and you need to be able to, like, talk like humans, which, you know, by that rationale, I think most people don't sound like they went to high school or anything like that. But, like, (laughs) I think it is important to have, like, logical discussions, like, real discussions, whether people agree or not. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's important. I but I uh the whole like school violence thing like man it just seems like it's, it's terrifying it's, it's it went from like in 99 like Columbine happens and that was like a one that was 911 like yeah. Columbine happened now it's like there's like a fucking Columbine every other weekend it just happened it's, I think in Wisconsin right yeah the only thing that slowed it down for like 2020 was fucking covid like yeah. if if covid did anything it saved the lives of a bunch of teenagers teenagers were probably the only people that like <laughs> Like, benefited from COVID. Yeah, that was, that was it. You got to stay home and like watch like Bang Bros or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the Bang Bus, dude. Can you imagine? I I kept thinking that like, can you imagine like being like a senior in high school or whatever, and like like you don't have to go to school. You could just like zoom in for like your two hours a day or whatever, and just send in your book report or whatever the fuck. Uh-huh. Like, dude, I would I would not have survived that senior year. Like, I would have been on like. Pornhub every other like <laughs> that's like the most that's like raging hormones dude he would have been fucking uh, busting fucking baby powder out yeah. of your day dude I I'm glad that didn't happen because I might have turned into like well let's Google poop stuff like like <laughs> <laughs> I'm already tired of all this regular shit like <laughs> David Turpin's fucking yeah, cup like, porn well David Turpin was on something here like <laughs> I don't know I'm just thinking just thinking out loud sorry I mean to get too off for off topic no, no I mean you bring up a good point though but. Anyways, they take out uh, Jennifer as well as the remaining 13 children. They hold them back from that experience of like public or even like a private school, like education with other children or whatever. Right. Right. So what they also do is, is they kind of go further down the spiral where they purchase another property. um, I think it was in Rio Vista in 1999, where they go even further off the grid. So Fort Worth, Texas, that's probably like one of the L.A.'s like the L.A. or San Diego uh, yeah. of Texas. So it's like a big city. Uh, and then they go rural uh, to Rio Vista and they buy a plot of land. And now there's the main house where mom and dad live at, but all 13 children, well, there's probably like 11 children at this point, uh, 11 children, like kind of like live like in that, like old fucking uh, trailer hitch kind of thing. And mom and dad, like I said, they're traveling the world. They're going to Vegas. They're going to Disneyland and they were big Disneyland heads. Like, I guess they went like, you know, five or six times a year. Um, you know, they're going to New York, you know, he's watching his wife getting banged like in an Oklahoma city fucking hotel room, the shape like a pyramid and whatnot. And all the while they'll be like on these one, two week vacations and whatnot. All the while there are 11 children are living like in this trailer. Now what they would say is Jordan later on would say that, Oh, you know, mom would, you know, drop off a week's worth of groceries that would maybe last like a day or two. Uh, but there was a lot of starvation that would happen in between, 
uh, where like, you know, they'd be on day five, you know, and they would be eating ketchup or mustard packages or ice just to fill their belly. Or then at the most extreme, when mom would forget to drop off the fucking groceries, they would eat dirt or grass. And I was just like, oh, my God, dude, like that's fucking terrifying. And they're in the middle of nowhere. No fucking running water, no electricity. And later on, when the family moves to California in 2007, uh, neighbors nearby, you know, inspected the trailer and they found a bunch of like dead animals, fecal matter, you know, like sprayed all over the fucking, you know, uh, the walls and whatnot. And it was just a really bad place. It was like almost reminded me of like that Sofa King episode of Feral Children where it's just like, it's just, they're just wild animals just living like in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Is that a real thing? Real occurrence? Feral children? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. I, I, I I would assume that that that's a real thing, but I didn't know that 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 was happening that often. Well, in '99, it was a real thing. (laughs) So in 2007, uh, they moved the kids. um, Or no, actually, yeah, 2007. That's when they were in the trailer or whatever. But in 2014, I'm sorry, uh, they move uh, to Paris, California, which is in like Riverside uh, County. So just just south of LA. Uh, north of Orange County, I want to say, or to the west, just a little bit, or yeah, east yeah. of it, or what whatnot. Uh, it's like, like by the, Riverside. Yeah, dude, I used to know this girl that grew up in Riverside, and then she moved to Bakersfield, and she used to always brag about how she was from Riverside. And I was like, dude, Riverside is like the oil dell of L.A. Like, it really is. It sucks. Like Riverside sucks, but it's expensive. Yeah, it's <laughs> like not even cool though. Like it's if it's like there's nothing cool about Riverside. I think there's like a few vi- like cool venues to like see bands and like Verizon wireless amphitheater. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Oh, it's close to Disneyland. I guess it's yeah. only 45 minutes away. Ugh. Like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. So they moved to this really nice, is it, when you look at it too, like when you like see the fucking, you know, body uh, camera footage uh, of Jordan escaping and whatnot, it's a really nice area. You can tell like it was like, you know, new construction and whatnot. Like those like ticky tack houses, they all kind of look alike, but they're very yeah. nice. I guess dad like has like a brand new fucking convertible Mustang. Uh, mom's like always going out like on shopping sprees. Like I said, she was a big Disney head, so she would buy those expensive ass fucking like Disney figurines. Uh, well, she she also had a like an addiction to buying like board games and things like that, mm-hmm. um, which she never let the kids open up. It was just like for her private collection to just have a bunch of like stacks and stacks of board games, board games, clothes, children's clothing, children's clothes that was never used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still had the tags on it when when they found it. Yeah, and then I guess um, what Jennifer Turpin, the oldest child, said like on the 2020 interview is that the children, again, were being starved. They would get one peanut butter sandwich a day, uh, but mom and dad, like they would have this whole refrigerator like stock full of like all the like most expensive foods. Uh, you know, they would go out to eat all the time, and then Jennifer had to prepare it for mom and dad. Now, the reason that mom and dad were saying that they couldn't partake, the children couldn't partake in any of this, is because it was getting too expensive to clothe and bathe and feed them, and that mom and dad, per what's in the Bible, in Deuteronomy, like somewhere in Deuteronomy, that the parents had the right to do that. And if they wanted to, that they would be within their rights to even kill the children. So the children at this point, they have to sit all day. They can't stand up. They can't talk with each other. Uh, They can wash their hands. Uh, but they can't go above their wrist because if they were, if they went above their wrist, they would get beat. They would get strangled. And so they would only get one shower 
a year. And it was always like right before Christmas time when they would send out Christmas cards like to the the extended family back like in West Virginia and shit who weren't allowed to see the children any other time. So there'd be like that one shower, you know, right before they have to do like a family portrait and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's pretty sad, man. So they they show a lot of the home video in the actual TV show where they they have they renew their valves in Las Vegas mm-hmm. and they're doing like an Elvis themed one like wedding or whatever and it's the family like the daughters are all like dancing along or whatever to the mm-hmm. music and the sons look really unhealthy like everybody looks really unhealthy like super like malnutrition Frail. yeah um one of the things that like I thought was really weird was uh when when uh when they find the son, I think they say that like, his arms are like that of like a two year old or something like that, like four and a half month old. Yeah, like yeah, something ridiculous. Where you know you watch that video and his arms are like literally like sticks. Christian Bale from uh, the Machinist is what comes to mind. Yeah, it's it's disgusting. Like, and I don't mean like it's their fault, but mm-hmm. it's like it's it's disgusting that these the these people are doing this to these children. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to watch at times. No, it's really difficult, especially like when you're a parent. And we've talked about, I've talked about this on the Patreon where uh, like I feel guilty. Like if I buy myself something and I don't buy, you know, my son something, or if I buy some shoes, okay, I got to buy him some shoes too. You know, nah, I got to make sure dude. that they're better. Kids you know? don't know shit, man. Yeah. But I mean, that's like, like a natural instinct. Like this is your blood. You got to take care of them or whatever. They had 13 children like that should have been amplified times 13 but instead it was (laughs) it just seemed like they cared less and less and less and less Mm -hmm. the more they were popping them out um but i guess this is a good time to quentin tarantino this back to when the police are at the front door so police are back at the front door now i'm thinking like dude don't swag out your kid though man like no, don't be that give dude. Him a fucking I, a I, diamond earring sometimes and, I, th- I see kids and i'm like what is this kid like all swagged out like he's about to like be one of those dudes that like picks up girls at the mall kind of thing i, I see kids like that sometimes and i'm like i just want to kick them like i, I literally would just want to <laughs> kick them like like kick not hard i don't want to like hurt them i don't want to internally bruise them but just kick them you know just like make sure that they fall yeah. Make sure they get some dirt on those. But names. you want to make sure, like he's what he has enough clothing oh, yeah, to last yeah. him a week and whatnot, yeah. right? And the way he goes through clothes, it's like yeah. oh, I better oh. buy some some twenty four month old clothes. Got to go through like the best at what what Target has to offer. That's what you were getting as a child because yeah. you're gonna poop and like shit. You're just gonna be <laughs> this is gonna be covered in shit in a couple <laughs> hours. So no, you're not getting some new. <laughs> I was gonna say Doc Martens. You, sh- you can get some Doc Martens. That'd be pretty sick for a baby. Well, we can talk about this off air, but, but yeah, anyway, as per sorry, se, the police are at the door. Police are at the door. Um, they're not getting a response, but uh, by law, they still have the right to investigate. So they they do have the right to like kick down the door if they choose to. Probable cause, yes. Y- yeah, anytime that there's a child in danger, there is probable cause, even if you have the slightest like inkling of a of a potential problem here. So. Uh, they say that they knock on the door for about two minutes or so. There's no answer, and they were actually getting ready to, like, let's just knock this shit down. Let's go. And then they open the door, and they're, like, totally startled. Um, Seems like something, like, out of a movie almost. Like, the way, like, she pops out. Like, it's so, like, she's trying to be nice. And she's like, oh, I apologize. Like, we're in the middle of a move, and so there's boxes and stuff everywhere. And then, like, the dad's, like, all... 
like like a bad actor kind of thing like oh is there something I can help you with like mm-hmm. with his like Prince Valiant fucking haircut and shit yeah and that's another thing that's really important to talk about is their haircuts yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, they both have terrible haircuts especially the dad like the dad's haircut and he has the same haircut from when he was a kid up yeah. until like when he's an adult I hate that shit and you gotta think of yourself like alright imagine working with this dude right how come no none of their coworkers are like, dude, this guy's fucking weird. He keeps showing up with that weird ass haircut. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know what's going on here. I would have called the police months ago. Like, yeah. If if I work with that dude, at least he has a fucking body dissolving in the bathtub. I mean, come on. Yeah, now. I would have been like, this guy. I would have just called the police and been like, this guy. Dude, you want to check his computer? I don't know what's on it, but I'm pretty Th- sure there's. This some... guy watches Daughter Swap, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw I saw you minimize Daughter Swap, and uh, <laughs> that's weird, dude. And your haircut. Yeah. So uh, and you are listening to Wings of a Wings of a Butterfly. So like <laughs> you just you, that's three check marks against you. I'm pretty um, sure he's friends with Jared Fogel as well. Jared Fogel. Yeah, hey, shout out to Jared Fogel, man. Keep doing what you're doing. No, no. No, I'm just kidding. I think he died. I think he was killed in prison. Good. I think he was. Uh, but we'll you know, we'll cross that bridge later on. Halloween episode. There you Anyways, go. um the police go in there, they see obviously right away it smells like shit. There's literally feces on the walls, there's dirt everywhere. Mm-hmm. Looks like there's just stacks and stacks of like the board games, everything, its it smells super bad. It's a weird dichotomy. Like, it's all this expensive, unopened shit, and then literally, like, shit piled up. Like, literal shit and, like, decaying food and maggots and stuff. Yeah, so as they're doing their investigation, they see that the kids are bruised up. They see the wrists. There's clear signs of, of chains. Like, they look like they just took the chains off. Like, they were just buying time to uh, open the doors for the police um, to get all the kids off of the chains. They're looking for the chains. They don't see anywhere, and then they find out that they were hiding in a the closet. They threw all the chains in the closet. Mm-hmm. So they're like, there's a little bit of like, well, there's a little bit of proof here because the kids are bruised. They look super scrawny. Something's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have enough to like right away take them in. Then they realize, hey, there's another room behind this pile of shit. And once they clear that room out, they find that there's literally kids shackled. shackled to the uh to the bedpost and um at that point they're like all right well you guys are going to jail like right now like mm-hmm. this is all the proof there is there's no no going back now and i think it's important right here where they they take the parents in and i guess david turpin is walking by the car that jordan is in the girl that escaped and she starts freaking out in the car and the the police officer was that was there with her was like, all right, calm down. They can't do anything to you. And they're like, no, you don't understand. Like, they have no problem with you know killing me where I stand. Even if you guys are right here in front of me, she was like, no, I promise you. There's like, you know, five you know well trained officers that are not going to let that happen. You know, drives her away. But she was like that scared that her parents like were going to kill her on the spot. Like even you know throughout the Diane Sawyer interview, there was just like out the whole time. That I was on 911. I was afraid my mom was behind me and she was going to choke me out and kill me right there. Or even like when, you know, they were at the door, you know, the police were at the door, that they were going to somehow manipulate the situation. And then I was going to have to go back in the house and they were going to kill me right after the fucking police left. And I was like, dude, that's a fucking scary place to be in right there. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. Like, this is the part where, like, they're showing, you know, as you're watching the 2020 documentary or whatever, the 2020 television program, uh, they show a lot of this stuff. They kind of blur out a lot of, like, the more, like, the poop. I guess you can't I guess you can't show poop on TV. Even on Hulu. 
It's like, dude, just show me the poop. <laughs> I, I need to <laughs> it's see what the, I'm into. I need to see this poop. Like, how do I know if I'm into poop or not until you show me the poop? <laughs> um, so, um, so they they show all the kids being shackled. Um, this is kind of where they they kind of do a little bit of a breakdown of of where the where the girls are at that point in like their mental state, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, they're clearly still suffering, but clearly the two the oldest girl and Jordan uh, are both doing a lot better, mm-hmm. um, which is good. Good yeah. for them. Yeah, but, like, like I said, Jordan, I mean, like, I thought she was, like, Dua Lipa, or I thought she was actually one of the reporters that were going to be telling you the story. Like, I didn't uh-huh. think, like, she was the victim. The, the, the same girl that you see, like, in the body cam footage, like, does not look like the same girl that was, like, an uh-huh. interview like, girl inter- you know, being interviewed and whatnot. Like, I was just like, holy shit. Like, that was total 180, total makeover and whatnot. Like I said, like, very beautiful girl. And I'm not saying that, like, to sound like, hey, girl, what's up? I'm sliding your DM on TikTok. Like but I'm just, like, saying, like, oh, wow, like, where you came from to where you're at now is, like, totally 180-degree turn. But, like, yeah, when they take the children in, they were in the, the hospital for all 13 of them were in the hospital for 13 weeks. Fucking the police officers thought all of the children were under the age of 18, whereas, like, seven of them were over the age of 18 and there was somebody that was actually almost 30 years old jennifer um and when they were doing the the physical examinations on them they had heart problems uh they had neuropathy which means they had a bunch of nerve damage um they had so much like verbal and motor yeah, skills problems couldn't really walk they've been shackled so long it's basically like like Beal, like how they just tie down Beal so it doesn't ever grows muscle and just super soft. That's basically what was happening to them. They were becoming like human Beal. Yeah. By the way, if you eat Beal, you're a monster. Just yeah. want to say that. Like, just want to just want to make sure that you know that you're a monster if you eat Beal. I agree. Uh, but yeah, it was like so many fucking physical and mental problems. Um, and Jennifer, the oldest, she at that point had gone through that fucking suffering for 29 years. Like, I can only imagine. Dude, there's no coming back from that. Like, 29 years, like, that was just like a few, like, if that's all I knew my entire life, like, there's no coming back. No. There's there's just no coming back. I, and I hate to say it, like, I'm sure she'll, like, I think they say something like, oh, one of them has a job at Denny's now, so she's doing all right. <laughs> and it's just like, man, I don't know, like. Mentally, though, yeah, like, you're there. there's going to be some rough-ass days. There's That's a lifetime. Like, even though you're out of it, you're out of the house. You're still, you're still like in some sort of like mental prison. I, I would assume. Oh, definitely, absolutely. You're in, in a mental prison. Like, there's no, there's no. I don't think that there's a, a coming back from it. Like, there's maybe just coping with it, and that's mm-hmm. all you can really ask for. Maybe for some of the younger kids, definitely that kid that had like the little arms. Like, mm-hmm. you you feel for them. Like, you feel for them because it's because. I, I kept thinking back to, like, when I was in elementary school. And I would see, like, weird kids. Like, there'd be those kids that had, like, the dirty jackets and they would never come with their hair combed or all this stuff. And those are the kids that nobody hung out with. Like, I hung out with, with like, I wasn't cool by any means of the imagination. But, like, I hung out with, like, Ross, friend of the show. Like, we were all, like, the nerdy kids that were into, like, like weird movies and, like, you know, just, like, Pokemon cards or whatever it was. Like, we were, like, the obviously like nerdy kids like there was nothing cool about us but at least we were friends like we had our little friend group of like kids mm-hmm. that we were like hanging out with like these are these are always the kids that like 
I'm thinking of like my noble elementary day, like our noble elementary day. That was, yeah, there was a girl at noble that would eat paste. She always showed up dirty, and nobody wanted to hang out with her. You know, I didn't. You know, I don't remember anybody like necessarily like bullying her or doing anything bad to her or whatnot. But like at the same time, it's like even that like isolation, like that can fuck you up. Oh, as absolutely! Well. Like that rejection from society. I think, I, and I don't think that like. I was ever like bullied or anything like that, but like, and I was never at that level where I was just like, like, like those kids type of thing. But like, I feel like even then, like kids were still mean to me. Like, and so like, I can only imagine like, dude, if that was me, like, and I still had like friends, like I still get, went to go like play like Nintendo 64 at Ross's house or whatever. Like, like these kids didn't have that. Like there was, there was nothing like that. And like, they had I to can, eat ketchup and mustard and ice. Yeah. And like shit like that. Like, whether you know whether kids like it or not like that shit will stick with you and like fuck with those kids and i'm sure like like their childhood is probably like feels like a giant magnifying glass to like every instant every like every like bad thing that ever happened in their life is going to always constantly haunt them and like they'll think back to those memories and probably like distrust of other humans and like just trouble interacting with other humans like it it all like I think I think a lot of like and I think most most scientists <laughs> will agree that a child's development you know is that those years are very important crucial so, like, yeah so just to like cut that out is like and like not only cut it out but like stunt it and like make it go into like this like and it shows because like Jordan and Jennifer Jennifer I think's thirty three Jordan's twenty one now Jordan seems like the most like well adjusted out of all of them yeah uh, Diane Sawyer she said something that I thought was like very poignant where she said like they created their own light like they invented their own light I, I guess you could say because it's like holy shit yeah when you see them like interact with each other that's something that they invented like the last like three or so years ago um, since this happened. Um, but one thing I think that's important, um, the plan to call 911, that how that all came together, that, you know, the older children, they would get phones and then the mom would deactivate them, you know, like when they were, when the mom and dad were home, but they would be active when mom and dad would be gone. So that way they can, you know, have them do instructions or whatnot. Uh, but they actually, you know, hid one phone and Jordan, like she would go on the internet and she would watch Justin Bieber videos and like this is actually how she learned how to speak, how she like learned language, and uh, actually learned that like oh wow, there's a whole other world out there. Like High School Musical, like kids are supposed to be happy, kids are supposed to interact with other kids. You know, there's this whole like uh, social structure that um, that mom and dad do not let us have, kind of thing. And I guess um, her and Jennifer were talking, where it's just like, hey, when mom and dad disable these phones yeah, we can't use them, you know, to look up Justin Bieber videos and whatnot, but we can still call out to 911. Like that's still, that's a, that's a feature that's on every single phone. Like it can be disabled. You can take out whatever thing on it, whatever, but you can still dial out to 911. And they're like, but you also got to get pictures. You can still take pictures with these phones, take pictures of everything that's happening because on cops, you know, they always ask, like, hey, do you have any proof of this? And so that's why Jordan got so excited because she was like, oh, I saw on Cops that you always have to have proof. So she had all these pictures ready, and she learned from her Justin Bieber videos, yeah. like, what to do and whatnot, which I think is, which, I mean, I like the shit on Justin Bieber sometimes because like, there was a portion of his life, like, he was, like, a complete asshole kind of thing, like, doing 90 miles per hour, you know, down a residential street or whatever. But, 
at the same time, like I believe like in the 2020 video, like he was talking about, you know, uh, like what, what real love is. Like, I love you regardless, not love you because you do this, that and whatever for me. And I think like a young Jordan seeing that, like provided like that light. I think that was important. Yeah. I mean, everybody is, you know, everybody kind of finds their niche and that Justin Bieber gave her, you know, some hope. And that was, that was crucial. Sometimes that's all people really need is like, uh, like a a ray of hope to like Mm -hmm. keep moving forward. And sometimes that's all it took. I mean, it could come in weird places and sometimes Justin Bieber, (laughs) it really is. I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 it it, it happens in mysterious ways. God works in mysterious ways. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what, you know, motivated, motivated her to do these things. Um, the other thing that there's a, I don't know if you're going to touch on it, but as the police investigation goes further and further into it, um, they had uh, like a Barbie doll that had like a hidden camera in in That's her right, like yeah. in her esophagus or something like that. Like, <laughs> um, which I don't understand how the parents didn't know there was a hidden camera in it because I've seen the picture of the doll now and it's like a giant fucking like big old camera, camera yeah. and it's like, dude, that's a big camera, like. They're probably it? getting fucking uh, sloppy though with it. Like it's just like, ah, what are they gonna do? Show the cops this? Yeah. Like they're never gonna see the cops. They're not allowed to leave the house. When are they gonna run into a police officer? Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And it's like, what? I also thought like, when did Barbie think that that was a good idea to put a camera in in a child's toy? Like, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's a That's weird some Jared Fogel shit right oh, there. Oh, definitely. <laughs> like it's like a pedophile's wet dream. Yeah. Webcam on a Barbie. It's like. Let's yeah. uh, not let's not go down that road. So usually this is where the episode ends, and we're like saying, okay, all the children, you know, they got out of this house, they get placed into foster homes, and they live a happily ever after life kind of thing. Uh, David and Louise Turpin, they don't even go to trial; they plead guilty, and they get both to get sentenced to life in prison uh, with a possibility of parole uh, within twenty five years. And that's probably what the plea bargain was. Which is like, hey, we got thirteen felony counts against you. Like there is no, and we got uh, mounting proof with this Barbie doll fucking video camera, this <laughs> this pedophile fucking Barbie video camera and shit. Like there's no way like a tri- a trial uh, jury isn't gonna convict you. You know Axel is gonna vote yes every single time. You're going to fucking jail kind of thing. So you will have the possibility of parole in 25 years. So that's probably what the plea was. But they go, they get sentenced to life in prison. He's in Corcoran, I believe, and she's in Chowchilla, uh, which another local connection there. Those are just like right up the streets from us. Um, but everyone, this is like, like I said, this is where the episode would probably end. We're like, yep, case closed. Everything is all good. Uh, you know, Jordan's on TikTok dancing and having uh, nice hair now. Uh, but like I said, at the beginning of this episode, <sighs> there's a whole other part of this story where the system that was supposed to save these children failed them as well. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is the part where, um, I was just looking up Diane Sawyer right now. Her name is Lilla Diane Sawyer. Hmm. Anyways, um, guys, <laughs> this is the part where I don't have a lot of information. So, Jacob, you're going to have to fill me in on this. Because oh, okay. I thought, case closed. These kids are doing great. One of them has a job at Denny's. One of them is working at Starbucks. And they're paying their bills, kind of. So, yes. good for them. So, um, in the Diane Sawyer uh, <laughs> uh, thing, they, they show that um, once the children you know age out of the system... Uh, it starts to you know one by one turn eighteen. 
uh, they're kind of just cut off from all resources, you know, cut off from any, you know, financial assistance, cut off from the foster care, and they're kind of like just dumped out into the streets. And this is where like social services and uh, Riverside County is saying like, yo, we failed the Turpins. When this story first hit, like everybody across the nation and across the world was like donating to their causes, donating blankets, donating money. I think they had about $600,000 in donations that was put into, you know, a county trust that, you know, was supposed to provide for them, like, after, you know, they age out of foster care and whatnot. Uh, but uh, the public guardian's office, uh, the older son, I want to say, he was asking, like, for some kind of mode for transportation. Like, he gets a job, like, let's say, like, at Taco Bell or whatever. He doesn't have a car. He doesn't have any life skills. He doesn't know how to crosswalk works. He doesn't know how anything works or whatever, right? So he's just like, he's like, hey, I, can I get, like, a bicycle at least? Like, a little, like, $120 bicycle from Kmart? Like, can I get that, like, out of the $600,000 that's that's there for me? And I guess they kept denying him, like, basic needs, like, basic food needs, basic clothing needs. Uh, some of the younger Turpin children that were under the age of 18, they were actually placed into a foster care home uh, where the foster parents were actually arrested as well for, you know, sexually and physically abusing the children, including some of the Turpins that were there. Um, Jordan, I guess, too, you know, like right before the Diane Sawyer interview, they had cut her off completely from any kind of assistance, any way to get like any medical help, any kind of food. Like she didn't know where her next meal was going to be from. Uh, and she was couch surfing, like going from friend's house to friend's house. So the system kind of failed them, but there was a system that was supposed to be in place that was to make sure that, you know, even, even if you're 30 years old, like even, even now here in Kern County, there's all sorts of fucking County assistance is there. Do you know, Hey, here's housing. Here's food. Here's how you get on food stamps. Here's how to, you know, you know, get an education where you can obtain medical, you know, coverage with Medi-Cal and all, all sorts of things that are just there for not only the abused, you know, but anybody that's out there. And not only that, but the system that was placed in there with a $600,000 trust was supposed to take care of all of their needs. Uh, and as well as there was a, a person uh, with the public guardian's office, uh, Vanessa Espinoza, that was supposed to teach all these children how to survive out in the real world. Like I said, how to use a crosswalk how to pay a bill, how to write a check, like anything that we take for granted, how to turn on a light, how to change a light bulb, how to do all this. Like she was assigned with a task uh, to help these children with it. And the oldest son was like, I would ask her for help and she would like stiff arm me and tell me like, hey, just go Google it. And he's I was like, going to say, what's she going to say, Google it? Yeah, this is exactly verbatim what she told him. He's like, hey, what's Google? I don't even hey, know what, what are you going to do, stab me? <laughs> uh, but I guess like she was too caught up um, with her side hustle, yeah, uh, becoming like a real estate agent. Oh man, that she kind of like just neglected those children as well. So again, a system that was supposed to protect them. You have ch the youngest children being, you know, physically abused by a whole other family, and then the system kind of just, you know, leaving them to their own devices, if you will, kind of figure out the world like sink or swim. And I believe one of the children actually were placed like into like a really like hood ass like Compton area where they actually got like physically assaulted like by a gang member or some shit. I don't I don't um I don't doubt it. Like you know, one of the sad things that crossed my mind when I was watching this, I think Jordan says like, oh the nightmare's over. Like every day is good that we don't have to be in that hellhole or something like that. And all I could think of, and not to be all morbid about it, but I was like I, it trust me, kid. It, it can always get worse. Yeah, and like 
I didn't know that about this. I didn't know that the kids were all like couch surfing in the ghetto and like all this mm. stuff. Like one of them's a crip now and like <laughs> like I didn't know that about them. But that that sucks. Like that really really sucks. Like that is the system failing them, and possibly you know the the court system in general like failing them. Like mm-hmm. that they I'm sure a lot of them were just viewed as adults even though they had no adult like training in their life and. I think she was what twenty nine years old, the oldest one when when she was like set free. But again, like like it's like, it's just like almost like like a captive animal, like that's in the zoo that was born in the zoo, raised in the zoo, and then all of a sudden, like you release them out into the Serengeti, like that fucking the wilderness is gonna fucking take them like within seconds, yeah, you know, kind yeah. of thing. It's like that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, absolutely. Like ah man, I feel really bad for these kids now. Yeah. Should we reach out to them, make them Patreons for free or something? Yeah, give them free bonus episodes. This is, here's a here's a here's, here's a an mini, episode where we mini, make fun of your dad for looking at wife swap fucking or here's sister a, swap. Here's a mini Chargers football. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this will mean a lot to you one day. Yeah, but um, I think it's important. I know you said on last week's Patreon that it's it's always rough to cover like you know child abuse. Yeah. Um, topics and whatnot. And I, as a parent now, it gets even harder to cover those. You even walked out of the R. Kelly episode that we did. I, I, I just don't like it when, like, not that this is okay. I, I, I think whenever it's, whenever there's a, a sexual crime, and there was some sexual crime here too. Yeah. The mom was, like, I think sexually abused. And I think one of the kids was also sexually abused. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. That's one thing too with the mom where the sister like after all this popped off like she was saying like how you know everyone kept asking questions how can you do this to your own children like never mind the dad he's an abuser he's a pedophile he's an asshole whatever he's a, he's a servant of yeah. satan or whatever right he probably listened to kiss as a child yeah. um but like the mom like how your maternal instincts well how did that get skewed and i guess like as a child her mother would for lack of a better term pimp her out to her own grandfather where the grandfather would give her money if she could have sex with the daughters. And that abuse kept happening up until she met David when she was 11. So she left one abuser's hand and went right into another. So, I mean, she, uh-huh. in a way, she's kind of a victim as well. But yeah. it's like it doesn't excuse that behavior. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't excuse it. But, I mean, this all just, it's gross. The whole thing is gross. Like, mm. I don't want to say that she's off the hook or anything like that, but you do feel bad for for her. Like, you see that so much. Like, it's all just a cycle of like, and 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 these kids, there might still like their story's not done yet. We don't know no. if they're gonna turn into the next Hitler or whatever. Like, like you know, they might just be reading some like some like conservative propaganda right now. I was like, man, this wouldn't happen to me if like black people weren't allowed to vote, and now I'm gonna go blow up the fucking churro stands over here. Like, you know, like. You know, possible yeah you know we don't know that about them i feel really bad for them because i feel like that's that is the system failing kids the the school system in california never investigating these people you know the neighbors never really like wondering why this house full of kids only comes out once a year mm. the co-workers going like hey how come we never see like like not only is the dad weird i feel like the co-workers of the dad should have like brought something up like and i'm i'm not saying like i'm i'm a very private person at work i don't talk about like my own family or anything like that but there are red flags that you know there's those people that you just know like you remember that dude james that we used to work with the backroom mm-hmm. james or whatever like if you told me like that guy had like somebody tied up in their 
basement, like I wouldn't bat an eye. I'd be like, "Yep, that I should have seen it coming." James, the Damien story deserves its own Patreon. Damien, Damien was just mentally delayed, though. I feel like, but there's something that happened there, like something at childhood delayed it, where it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. but but and then not to bring up the whole guns thing, but like. I think I don't know if we can both agree, but I'm pretty sure we can both agree that uh, Damien had some kind of like mental delay going on there. <laughs> like, if he was a guitar pedal, he'd definitely have some delay. But, yes. <laughs> but, um, but um, he owned a shitload of guns, and that's terrifying. That yep. that's out there in the world. Mm-hmm. That that dude owns a lot of guns. I'm trying to get our boy Mike's fingerprints prints on. Yeah, that too. I remember. Like, I I like I was like, I'm not gonna touch it just because uh, I don't. I'm not gonna put my fingerprints on some other person's gun. And then I think after that, like I literally just started walking out. I think yeah. everyone followed, but I was like, "I'm I'm done with this. Oh, yeah. This is not happening tonight." This is how bad things happen. Yeah, I was literally telling one of my other coworkers about the time that Mike, uh, Mike was trying to set him up on a on a date with like this other lady that worked there, and uh, I I Damien seemed really old, and we were like early twenties. I think I was maybe like twenty years old at he the was time. Pushing forty, yeah, yeah. And so like to me, that just seemed like he was old. So like I think once you cross like thirty, you're everyone from thirty to ninety, you're all the same age kind of thing, especially when you're twenty years old. But um. <laughs> I remember thinking like Mike was setting him up with this lady and she was probably like in her sixties and um, he was like, she's old enough to be my mother. (laughs) And I remember Mike's response going, she's got experience though. And like, (laughs) I was like, man, that guy's slick, man. Yeah. I gotta have Mike on here. Uh, But the reason why I wanted to bring these topics up is because they deserve light. You know, like these cases like this happen every fucking day, you know, can't see what I do for work, but like, you see shit that like this a lot, and yeah, this Vanessa Espinosa, she didn't do her job, kind of thing, and it kind of gives people like the credence to say like, well, that's that's why the government can't have control of our lives or whatever, and it's just like, well, no, the baby, the the government needs more people working there instead of having like just one Vanessa Espinosa working like thirteen, you know, Turpin cases, or whatever. Maybe every child should have had like their own separate absolutely caseworker or whatever. But I mean, that's another topic for another time. But like, just just everything about this case deserves like some conversation. Whether it's just our small small fan base that gets like that like little seed planted in their mind, like if you see something, say something kind of thing. But I think like that Diane Sawyer twenty twenty episode like did a really good job of you know putting this to light kind of thing where it's just like the story just doesn't end like with like oh the children are taken out of this abuser's home and you know that's it or whatever like no like there's got to be follow-up it's kind of like what we're talking about like with the cole infinity case where it's just like yeah there's cte that's going on with like these players like what care are we doing for them after they retire from the nfl kind of thing what are we doing for these children like once they're removed from these abusive situations like what's the follow-up kind of thing and how are we properly giving these people the tools as well as the you know social workers and shit the tools to be able to help these people from society so they're not you know going out there shooting up you know a fucking government building or fucking you know yeah i mean raping a fucking chimpanzee or some shit everybody likes to talk about how it's you know it's a tragedy when something bad happens like that like um ct type of things or like when soldiers come back and they have ptsd um but we don't do shit about it. Like we, we just do not. As a society, maybe society needs to change. Maybe we need to invest more into like social programs, which I, I think we do. Like we have a homeless problem in this country now. <laughs> yeah. Like we have a drug opioid. And how many of those homeless people have similar stories to this? Oh, I'm sure many. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm sure a lot of people that are homeless are fall into one of those categories, like drugs, bad family, mental illness, and like they like Kid Rock. So one of those like four <laughs> things happen to them in their life. Maybe all four. <laughs> Maybe all four, and that's a cocktail of like, of like just madness. That's the dude that's just yelling in traffic. That that guy. Yeah, he watched Bob, too many daughter swap videos. Yeah, he heard ball with a ball once, and like, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> it was just off the deep end at that point. It was his divergence point, but yeah. in a nutshell, this is the Turpin House of Horrors uh, case. I mean, there's so much more to get into. Again, I really advise watching the 2020 episode that's on Hulu. Um, as well as there's uh, 60 Minutes Australia. It seems like the 60 Minutes Australia is like has a better fucking uh, 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 pulse on like good stories in the actual 60 Minutes America fucking program. Uh, but those are all available like on YouTube. You go so go check those out, uh, or just look at the Wikipedia. It's got all the links you need on there as well. But uh, with that said, Art, do you have anything else you want to add to this? Um, just tell your mommy boo too. Shell is with Jack Shell is with Warren. Uh, please do not spade or neuter your children. Um, that's all I got. Yeah. So with that said, guys, if you want to continue the conversation with us, guys, head on over to all of the social medias at Art and Jacob do America, except for Twitter. We are at Art and Jacob do a one join the Facebook group where we'll, I'm sure we'll probably get <laughs> fucking a bunch of news, uh, feeds like shared with us now that the government is listening and they know that you are curious about the Turpin case or whatever. So share all those articles in the Facebook group. Uh, if you want to support us in any kind of way, head on over to the Patreon where we made a lot of jokes that came from the previous Patreon this week. This uh, is a good Patreon. If you're going to start, start with this Patreon. Yeah, Patreon 78, I want to say it is, or 79, something somewhere around there. But head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash America. Donate $1. A dollar gets you a bonus episode every single week. And like I say... Week in and week out. Nine times out of ten, those Patreon episodes are better than the actual episode that you are getting for free. So believe it or not, the Patreon we did this week is actually better than this episode that you're listening to now. About two and a half times better. Uh, but if you want to support us in any other type of way, guys, head on over to artjacobdoamerica.com where Art has supplied links to our merch store over at Tee Public. Uh, currently, we have four T-shirt designs that are up there. I think two or three of those are actually designed by Nicole Smith-Bosch. Uh, head on over there. Uh, we don't really see any like financial benefit from that when you buy a shirt or a t-shirt or a mask or anything like that. But it's kind of like a billboard. It help get it helps get the word out. So like when you're you know patrolling the streets, what are those guys that like that, like patrol the streets at night and like walk old ladies across the street and they have like those sick ass like members only jackets? Um, the guardian angels? Yeah, the guardian angels. So like when you're doing the Lord's work, being guardians angels. Just put on an Art and Jacob Do America t-shirt when you're walking those uh, grandmas across the street or saving the Jordan Turpins of the world who are escaping from hell houses. Uh, it gets the it gets the good word out. They'll have something to listen yeah. to while they're escaping hell. Yeah. One thing, I think people should just be all kind, much kinder to each other. Just just take it up. Take it up 5%. Just be kinder to each other. Yeah. It, it's the holidays, but, you know, fucking continue the holiday spirit throughout the year. If it's May 21st. You know who's kind all the time? Alejandra. Shout out to Alejandra. Thanks for being kind. This episode is dedicated to you. <laughs> I know it's a dark episode, but this one goes out to Alejandra. Yeah, so uh, speaking of uh, being kind, guys, go ahead on over to podbelly.com, where we are official members of the Podbelly Network. So if you like our podcast and you want to hear podcasts that do it just as well, if not better than us, head on over there. Uh, check out my homeboy Eddie's podcast at the RRBG podcast, where he interviews 
some celebrity every single week. He never ceases to amaze me. Uh, he's probably the the next Joe Rogan, minus the fucking ivermectin uh, anti-vax uh, sentiments. Uh, so head on over there. Uh, the Sofa King, they probably covered this episode. I just didn't bother to download that episode for research. So check them out. They kind of do the same thing that we do. Uh, but with that said, Art, I'm done, dude. Uh, that's it. Tell my blue too. That's it. Yeah, subscribe to Jordan's got a text. We're getting wing stopped tonight. Oh, shit. Hell yeah. So with that said, everybody, goodbye and good night. Jordan and Jennifer Turpin are talking more about their 2020 exclusive Escape from a House of Horror. The sisters are two of the 13 siblings who were held captive inside that home in Paris for years. They spoke this morning to GMA's Amy Robach about having to relive that nightmare all over again. It was really hard for me to watch it, but I'm just glad that it's out there so people can see it and they can hopefully it makes a good difference and we can make a change and people know that they have a voice and they can speak up if something's not right. It was very emotional, brought back all the emotions. And when I saw the video cam, that was the first time me seeing that footage. I mean, of course I lived it, but still the actual footage. And it was like, wow, <laughs> like, I'm so glad we got out of there. Okay, thank you. We're here to help you, okay? The body cam footage. Jordan, when you first met that officer, when you were brave and you ran out of that house and you could see you getting out of that window and running and making that phone call, is that the first time you saw yeah, the footage of yourself? Yeah, that's the first time I saw, yeah. That's the first time I saw any of those footage, um, films. And it was just like, I don't know, like, I was just like, wow, I didn't even know I ran that fast. Hi, right, what's going on? Okay. When I listened to the phone call and I saw the footage, I just couldn't, like, stop crying because I kind of felt like I was in the moment again. And that's, like, something that's never going to leave you. Like, you're always going to remember that. That's, like, it was so terrifying. With everything she endured, Jordan Turpin saying once again it was pop star Justin Bieber who gave her that window to the outside world. And have you thought about what you would say to Justin Bieber if you ever got to meet him? <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, I, I think I would probably cry. I don't know what I would say. I want to just thank him for um, being like, he made a big difference. No one can do it better like this, that, and this, and uh, it's like that, and like this, and like that, and uh, it's like this. Then who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode.